0: Wow, I've never heard of a dude killing his first animal in Birkenstocks thanks to a scouting tip from a yoga instructor. That's pretty impressive. Welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast, presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Well, welcome to episode 170 of the Hunt to Backcountry podcast. Our guest in this episode is Johnny Mack from Washington Backcountry. We talk with Johnny about his origins getting into big game hunting. And as you heard in that teaser, it's quite the story, uh, especially with his first big game harvest, which was scouted by a yoga instructor. Yeah, we'll hear more about that story. Johnny runs Washington Backcountry and a part of his initiative with Washington Backcountry, as well as just his personal passion is this idea that mentorship is conservation. So we talk a lot about that in this episode as well. It's a very, very helpful piece to add to the puzzle, if you will. So in terms of conservation, a lot of times we talk about public lands, we talk about legislation, but Johnny's helping us realize that actually getting more hunters and mentoring hunters is a critical piece of conservation for the future. So it's definitely worth a listen, and hopefully is something that you'll be inspired by and maybe something you can take action on. If you want to learn more about Johnny, you can go to wabackcountry.com. You can also find him on Instagram at Washington underscore backcountry. Before we dive into the show with Johnny, I wanted to give a shout out to Rex Rich for the feedback and review on this podcast. And Rex, we want to send you some swag. So email us your shipping information. And listeners, if you want to be entered into these giveaways, really simple. We just want to hear from you. Whether that's a review in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever else you're listening to this, or your feedback, suggestions, comments, by email directly to podcastxomontagear.com. All right, let's dive into this great conversation with Johnny Mack from Washington Backcountry. Johnny, welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast. Thanks for joining us, man.
1: Oh, Thanks, Mark. I really
0: appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. Steve, how's it going, bud?
2: I'm uh, fantastic, man. It's
0: All right. Beautiful boys Boise day today. Spring's <laughs> spring is here.
1: Oh, it was a beautiful one over here in Washington also.
0: Don't be saying Boise's beautiful. You already complained about enough people moving there. You should yeah, no kidding, the opposite.
1: It's
2: miserable. Don't come here. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Cool. Well, Johnny, we're excited to chat, man. Um, you know, part of what we want to talk about tonight is your story. Uh, but before we kind of get into that, just like a quick introduction, quick background, just to let listeners get to know you before we kind of dive more into your story.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Johnny Mack. I'm a middle school physical education and health teacher over in uh, Mukilteo, Washington. And I'm currently 34 years old. And I decided to take my hunter's ed class for the very first time when I was 29 and to pursue the passion in which I always knew was inside of me, and something that, that fulfilled my soul once I finally dove into becoming a hunter. And ever since then, and my first harvest, my life was changed, and I knew exactly what type of mission I wanted to be on, and it created a vision for my life. And, and that's why we're here on this podcast, to talk about that vision and my mission for uh, the hunting community and, and what we want to do.
0: Oh, that's awesome. this is completely unrelated to hunting and everything you just said, which we're going to get to, but I'm just super curious, man, middle school. You're like a saint to me to be working with middle school kids. (laughs) Did you, did you choose that age specifically?
1: You know, in life, there's no coincidences, right? right? No, I didn't choose it specifically. I think more or less it chose me. Um, I always feel like I'm a big dork and I fit in perfectly with middle school age students. So I've been, uh, been 12 years at the middle school already and, awesome, and it's quite the experience
0: yeah <laughs> it's such a such an interesting time in life like at that age it's wild yeah yeah well, good for you man thank um, you so yeah the you there's this funny uh dichotomy and you don't hear it as much anymore but even go back five years i think it was more prevalent of like the rei crowd versus the cabela's type crowd like the granola versus the hunter outdoors person. Um, and I think there's been a lot more crossover since then, but that was quite literally your story. You worked at REI, right?
1: Yeah, actually, as soon as I got out of college and I was student teaching, and through my first few years of teaching, you know, teachers have to have part time jobs to supplement what they do if they want to, you know, enjoy that time off that they have. So uh, I worked at REI, I rock climbed, backpacked, uh, snowboarded, mountain biked, I did everything that REI is all about. And then, some, and uh but the the crossover into hunting didn't happen until afterwards.
0: You mentioned in that intro that as you became a hunter, you kind of connected with something that was in you all along. Tell me about that like w- what drove you to finally become a hunter, yet you also mentioned that that was something you knew was in you for it sounded like a longer period of time,
1: yeah, uh, you know, I think. I think innate within all of us is that primal nature to want to provide and to self sustain for your life and for your family being a husband and a father you know there's a responsibility that comes along with taking care of my family and so innate just like most women i would say at least speaking for my wife she wanted to be a mother from the get go you know she knew that she always wanted to have children. Well, just like that inside of me, I always wanted to be a hunter, but I wasn't raised in a hunting household. And I never was given the opportunity or experienced the opportunity. But the moment I got a Red Rider BB gun in my hands at I don't even yeah, I don't even know what age, I knew I was at home. And it was old cowboy western movies of, you know, the Lone Ranger and being out on the horse and, and being out west and the adventure that goes along with that, that just set my soul on fire. I knew that that was what I craved. And what it what I have come, come to conclude is we as humans need adventure in our life. And then the adventure, if we don't get adventure, we feel stale. We feel like we're not living and we die a slow and sad death and hunting provides that opportunity for adventure. Now I was getting adventure through backpacking and different journeys, but I wanted more and I craved more. And it wasn't until I got to carry a weapon with me when I was out in the back country that, that everything connected for me. And I, and I realized what it is that I wanted to be in life.
2: That's awesome, man. Yeah. I love, I love that craving adventure part you know i think it's um it's so essential we've talked about it in the past of like that getting kind of getting out of your comfort zone too Of like you know picking something new and just going after it and you just uh i don't know man i i know i know every time i do something like that you just feel like you truly do grow as a human being once you're done
1: yes without question you know i i've been a fearful person in my life even the fact that i used to be afraid of the woods and be afraid of the dark and yet i'd go on backpacking trips and on my first bear hunt where i'm on a mission to go bear hunting and yet i'm sleeping in my tent being like oh man i hope bears don't come into camp tonight <laughs> like it was it was weird and and yet i was able to conquer fears when i actually was able to put hands on my first bear that I harvested and realize, you know what, it's it's not as bad as you think, it's not as scary as you think, and this is life, and it's beautiful, and there's nothing to be afraid of.
0: What do you think now let's call it five years later whatever the exact date is but if you were to go back to the people you worked with at rei and kind of had this conversation about hunting do you think that would connect with them at all or like what's your impressions on kind of bridging that gap between the adventurous outdoors person who's not a hunter and then you coming in with like this next level basically of connection that you feel to the outdoors and to adventure beyond just the typical like rei activities
1: Right, man. That's such a great question. Uh, well, I have a few, few different angles to go about that. So when I was preparing for my first backcountry bear hunt, I went into REI that I used to work at and went and said hello to a lot of fellow employees and coworkers. And, and what's common within REI to ask people like, Hey, what's your next adventure going on? What's your next adventure? And I was like, Oh man, you guys won't believe this. I became a hunter, and I'm going on a backcountry bear hunt. And all of a sudden, people like stopped and were like, what? (laughs) And kind of awkward, and then conversation shifted, and they walked away. And so I actually had some experiences of people not feeling very comfortable with that. And maybe it was the fact that it was a bear rather than than a deer or an elk, Um, but it really – created a foundation for me being an ambassador for the hunting community and realizing that not many people are comfortable or confident around the hunting world and maybe it's the hunters that painted themselves in a negative light with just how they are or or whatnot but but with that I I took it upon myself that I need to bridge the gap for these people so Actually, on my first backcountry bear hunt, I didn't spot the bear that I shot. A yoga instructor and her two students from Seattle spotted the bear for me, and I ended up shooting it in front of these people. Really? Yes. And it's like I said earlier, there's no coincidence in life. I feel like this is just a part of the mission and the journey I'm on to show people and bring a level of of comfort and familiarity to people who are unfamiliar with hunting and what goes down with it. So this is uh, a part of the journey and the story that I like to share.
0: Yeah, dude, I got to hear more about how that went down and what that type of response was. I'm just picturing, yeah, I mean, think of, this is stereotypical, but the yoga teacher from Seattle who's now witnessing a bear being shot.
1: Yeah. So uh, this was uh, August 3rd, 2017, and I hiked in about nine miles to this place where, you know, it was the first time I really experienced how to find berries. And when you find berries, you find bears and the combination between the two. And so, you know, you're out in the middle of the wilderness thinking, man, No one else is here. This is fantastic. And all of a sudden, I heard a dog start barking. I'm like, what the heck's going on around here? And I look, and here come three people down the trail with their dog. And I'm like, man, everything that I know about hunting is like, you got to be quiet. You got to be stealthy. And so I'm like, great. We just hiked all the way in here, and our hunt is going to be ruined. So I was being naive and, and maybe even judgmental at times, and I was a little frustrated that I put in all this work and effort to get there and here these are these people are with, a, with their dog and, you know, they're just on a day hike, which I was blown away and give them props that they were, you know, going on an 18-mile round trip day hike just for the fun of it. So, you know, I'm dressed in camo and they come on up and they're like, what are you guys doing? And I'm like, well, we're hunting. They're like, what are you hunting? Black bear. What? You can hunt black bear? I didn't know you could do that. What are you going to do with it? And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to eat it. What? You can eat bear. And just this conversation started going. And this was in the, the morning time. And so throughout the day, we kind of s- keep separate from each other. And it was evening time. It's like 90 degrees out, super hot. And so I'm in the lake with uh, a couple buddies of mine and we get out. We're about to do dinner before our evening hunt and, the yoga instructor screams, bear! And, you know, we've been with these people all day. They're not familiar with hunters. I'm like, this lady is straight playing a joke on us. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't believe it, whatever. And my two other buddies, uh, bless their hearts, they, they quickly they put on their shoes. And one grabs a rifle. Actually, I think maybe both of them grabbed a rifle. And I was like, dude, I don't buy it. I'm grabbing my binoculars. And this is my connection to REI and more or less the granola world is my camp shoes. I like to wear Birkenstocks. Yes. And so <laughs> I, I slip on some Birkenstocks and I, I run over to the lady when my other two buddies are already gone down the trail. And I'm like, did you actually see a bear? And I saw it in her eyes and her face. And she was just ghost white. And I was like, where was it? And she points, and I look, and it's not there anymore, but my buddies are running up the trail. And so I kind of just lightly jog in my Birkenstocks, you know, because I'm in, I'm in sandals, and I don't want to hurt myself. And I meet up with my two buddies, and I'm looking over their shoulders, and all of a sudden I spot this bear. And, and I'm like, it's right there. It's right there. You got to shoot it. And they can't see it. And my buddy, bless his heart, he turns to me. He goes, here, take my gun." And I grab his gun and I just start sprinting as fast as I can on this trail (laughs) in the mountains in my Birkenstocks chasing this bear down. And I stop and it pops out of a bush and I end up shooting this black bear at 30 yards uh, and one shot, one kill, and it stops. And, you know, the other three people who were there, they're like, is it safe?
0: Oh, my (laughs) goodness.
1: I'm like, yeah, they're like. We saw you shoulder the rifle and everything, and then they ended up coming up to the bear and, and getting the chance to look at it. But after that, they were like, "Okay, we're heading home. Thank you, really appreciate it." And uh, it was quite the experience. Dude. I hope to, I hope they get to hear this sometime, and I get to share this experience. I'm gonna actually I'm actually in the middle of writing a book about it and about my journey of becoming a hunter. And I feel like this is just such a paramount story that needs to be told.
0: Wow, was that your first big game animal?
1: That was my very first big game animal.
0: Wow, I've never oh. heard of a dude killing his first animal in Birkenstocks <laughs> thanks to a scouting tip from a yoga instructor. That's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, uh, unique.
0: <laughs> That's what's beautiful about it. So how did you feel personally? So you you mentioned you had this like connection to hunting from that young age, picking up a Red Rider, but then, you know, it took some time. You go through um you know, in your late 20s, this process of becoming a hunter, obviously a crazy scenario. But what was it like to actually harvest that first big game animal for you?
1: Absolutely surreal. Um, what, what I think the general public doesn't understand is how emotional it is to actually take a life of an animal. And it, it took me a while before I could even approach the animal because I was in shock so much just like did this really just happen did this happen in front of everyone the way it went down my wife is not going to believe what just happened and it made me it made me want to start crying and eventually i walked up to it and i was just like wow this animal is beautiful and incredible and and god's creation is so amazing and just was, I took the entire moment in as much as I could, and then for the first time, I got to learn how to gut an animal and skin an animal and and break it down in the backcountry, which I've never, I never even processed an animal at that point in my life. So I was watching YouTube videos as much as possible, and then trying to put it into action.
0: Your buddies that you were with were they experienced hunters?
1: Nope. That was a part of the the journey of which which I'm on is that. I had no one that, that I could call upon to hunt with me. And so uh, one of my buddies, I was like, Hey, Tony, will you, uh, you want to hunt with me? And he was like, hunt. I don't know, man. I was like, well, just get your hunter safety. You know, you can do it. You can do the online part on your cell phone and then we'll get you connected for a class. And so he ends up doing his whole hunter safety on his cell phone while he's at work. Cause he used to be a a uh, brewmaster and brew beer over here in washington and so while he was waiting for his batches to clear he would he would get his hunter safety going and he was on it so he was brand new he actually just shot his first deer this year 2018 and and we have a video of it on our youtube channel um but uh yeah he, he was new my other buddy was new and we were just a bunch of rookies trying to find our way and and be you know success is measured in multiple ways you know ultimately you want to harvest an animal to provide meat for your family and that's the goal however the if you can't enjoy the journey along the way then your priorities are messed up as well so it was just the icing on top of the cake that that made the trip just super special
0: so i know that you and obviously even listeners can hear like your passion for hunting Um, And I know that that's something that from your own experience, you want to be able to help other guys um, and other gals in your shoes who didn't grow up with the exposure, who might be getting into it later in life. Um, And you have this phrase that mentorship is conservation. So kind of like expand upon that idea um, and tell us some of your thoughts there.
1: Yeah. So. So mentorship is conservation is what Washington back country's platform is all about. Is is in the hunting world, well, typically in general life, you don't hear the term conservation very often. You know, the, to break it down, to conserve means to save for later. And so it, not too often in life do you hear the word conservation. So it's typically revolving around hunters. So hunting is conservation is what you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's all about and, and all these, you know, conservationist groups. Well, I personally believe that if there's no hunters for the next generation to come, then hunting's going to die. And I, before I got my hunter safety, you know, I was not married and and no children and this summer I'm about to have my third child my third boy who whether or not my boys want to grow up being hunters is their their own choice but they're going to have the opportunity and the skill set and able to pursue that passion if they want to and so by me becoming a hunter I now have provided opportunity for my family and everyone around me and the ripple effect of which one person Caring enough about the continuation of what they love spreads to you know it's countless numbers, and so mentorship is conservation. Is the whole idea is that if you want hunting to last, you got to teach people to fall in love with hunting and to want to protect it and to want to see it continue. And one of my biggest frustrations in the hunting world is that people are so closed to helping others you know everyone's afraid of giving up their location which i understand to an extent but at the same time there's a lot of ways to mentor people without giving up your location and so i feel like you know hey you can't ever hunt with me because i've been going here with my dad for 30 years we've been sitting on this stump for 30 years and you know my, all this stuff and so the new generation of what i call adult onset hunters are these people that are needing and thirsting for adventure in their life and something to hold on to and something to be passionate about and it is hunting that can provide that opportunity because with without hunting we are left sometimes empty you know you can go on a hike and this is where the crossover is between like the REI world and the hunting world, is you can go on a hike and be in nature, but at the end of the day, you're an observer of nature. When you are a hunter, you are a participant in nature. And that is what makes your adventure come alive that much more.
0: That's a great way of putting that. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me to think of conservation. I'm just as I reflect on what gets talked about in the hunting world in terms of conservation, um, obviously currently public lands are big and that's critical and very important, um, an important piece of conservation in the future. And then you look at animal specific conservation initiatives. So Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Mueller Foundation, they're talking about, you know, habitat and protecting the lands, not only for hunter access, but for the species. But there isn't, a ton of focus really on this recruitment piece and on necessarily continuing um to build up hunter numbers i mean it's talked about but there's not there's not a huge huge focus there from i would say what i would observe anyway so i think this is a a key piece to bring in with the lands and with the animals and with right had to have a more cohesive picture
1: right and it all works hand in hand don't get me wrong yeah. conservation is legislation to sure. an, to an extent, but at the same time, if you don't have the people that that want to protect it and love it, they're not going to put the money into protecting the legislation and the conservation of animals down the road. Mm-hmm. So, it, it's, you know, it's a big wheel that all works together, and without that one piece of the pie, it that wheel doesn't turn as well. You know, no. it's, it's a rough journey.
0: What would you say to? And I, I would hope that there is not many people thinking this, but honestly there's some who simply think that more hunters, more hunter numbers, more people in the pursuit isn't a good thing.
1: Well, competition breeds success, right? It's not fun playing a sport if all you do is crush the opponent the entire time. And so, uh, having more numbers in hunting is take a look at your life Are you, are you looking at it as a finality? Like, are you going to hunt? Are you hunting to be alone and be away from everyone? Or are you going for the experience? And the way you look at it, the perspective is, is going to give you uh, a shift in your mindset. So if people are, are sad about more hunters in the field, then I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, if you see a sea of orange b- during modern rifle, be excited about that. Yeah, it's frustrating, but at the at the end of the day, you know that's more people out doing something rather than sitting on their couch playing video games, watching Netflix, or just being uh, a sedentary in their life. They're out living their life, and that's there's beauty in that.
2: I'll try to remember that the next time I'm pissed off at somebody for being on the same hill
1: <laughs> <of> <laughs> right? Well, in that and then just think, hey, hey, I hope they push the animals my way. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. We we always joke about like whoever whoever that person is, they're like the you know some big pos or something like that. Like like they're you're cursing their name because they happen uh-huh. to be on the same hill. But it's like you know in reality, especially we always you know if you're especially if you're getting after it, right? If you run into somebody four or five miles back there, it's like, yeah, all right, exactly. t- t- I have to, you're, you're out here doing the same thing I'm doing. You know, it's kind of, uh, you just got to, like you said, appreciate it and, and kind of hopefully they're cordial and you, you, you yeah. know, both to hunt different directions or something like that.
1: You know, yeah. at the, at the same time, it's like, yes, it can be so frustrating to be like, I only have this week or this weekend out of an entire year to, to do what I've, i love and to run into other people in your exact location can be super frustrating but this is where an opportunity is to build community within the hunting industry and in the in the hunting world of you know m- building a bridge making a friend uh getting intel sharing insight and helping people out yeah. you know mm-hmm. you you know ne- listen you never know who's watching and you never know who you're going to run into in
0: life. I think there's something to be said too for, I mean, it's, I just think of personal instances where I've had, where I've run into other hunters who have had success on a trip or even in an area that I was hunting. And even if I don't know them, like the fact that they've had success and I was there and not even part of the hunt, but like there's a bond there of like, yeah, good for you. And heck yeah, this is awesome. You know? So I think it, Versus just being, you know, maybe jealous or, oh, man, I should have been there or whatever. It's like you can still celebrate that with someone, even if you don't know them and even if you weren't part of the hunt, but you're still out there together, essentially.
1: Definitely. It's like, uh, you know, I'll use the term brotherhood, even though it's both male and female. But the, the brotherhood and the bond of when you you sweat together and bleed together you build that bond. And so I think maybe it can be taken a little differently when you put it towards road hunters and people just drive mountain roads and, and glass from their truck. But when you're on foot and you're putting in the miles and the effort to get to where you're at, man, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely impressive. Uh, this last year in September on uh, my very first, uh, archery elk hunt, I was able to, to take a, a beautiful Washington, Bull, and the next day I was with a buddy. I was like, "Hey man, are you gonna are you gonna get back out?" He's like, "No, it's raining." And I was like, "Okay, well, there's another guy that hiked through our camp, and he ended up coming back out uh, with a four by six. It was a little a little raghorn, but it still had six points on one on one side. and And my buddy was frustrated because this hunter ended up killing. His bowl, probably about less than a quarter of a mile from where I shot mine at. And it was prime elk country. And it was like, man, you know, that guy went out on a rainy day. Yeah, you can lose a blood trail in rain and all that. But he still went after it and got it and got it done. And... You know that's the that's the struggle. You gotta you gotta realize what you're okay with and what you're okay giving
0: up. On this idea of of being an active mentor, essentially for others, and I mean, you hit on a hot button topic in terms of like giving up a spot. But I think you can do a lot um, outside of the season, even. So maybe you're not even actually taking someone hunting, but maybe in the off season, you're helping them either learn to shoot or learn to scout or you know. give them tips after you've had a successful hunt on, Hey, like I know you wanted to get a hunting shoot, come over here and help me process this deer. I think there's plenty, plenty of opportunity to help guide someone along without just taking them hunting in your secret spot. Um, what are, what are some of some of your thoughts on there? Things that like say from your experience um, when you were starting at 29, like what are some of the things got you just think, man, I wish somebody would have what?
1: Yep. So great question. So The very first two questions in which I had was, where can you hunt and how do you find animals? So I've been backpacking since I was seven years old, all along the Pacific Crest Trail in the state of Washington and gone on a lot of journeys. But I didn't realize that the same public land that I was backpacking on were the same trails you could use to go hiking in and hunting from. And so the concept of what public lands was was so foreign to me, even at the age of 29 and working at REI, it it didn't even cross my mind. And so I ended up writing a hunting 101 series that I'm started on my website, and the very first one is how to find land to hunt. And through there, I talk about what Onyx Maps is and how that's changed the game in the hunting world about finding public land to hunt. And I go through what BLM, DNR, state land, federal land, um, all these different things are for the, the novice to get an understanding of where you can go to, to hunt. And then the next one was, all right, I've been hiking for so many years and I don't really remember ever seeing that many animals. So as funny as you think you go out in the woods and bears are everywhere and bears are going to come into your camp I mean before I actually hunted bears out of 25 plus years of backpacking in the wilderness I only saw two bears when I was hiking and it was in Mount Rainier National Park so finding land to hunt finding animals how to actually find animals and then the third one which I actually want to get into over this next year after I get done having my third child is I want to start creating opportunities for people to get hands-on in processing animals. So if anyone hears this out there and you want to do it yourself, I, I you know, mentorship is conservation. Teach people is I want to purchase, I don't know, lambs or goats or whatever it is that, that people would be comfortable with eating and run my own clinics for people. Where it costs, I don't know, let's say $25 and you come and you get to process down an animal and then take that meat home with you at the end of the day. But you have guidance just like what Jeremiah Doty does from field to plate where he helps people break down their animal once they've shot it and, and all that. I want to do hands-on clinics wherever I go to, to help people you know talk about game management meat care and
0: all that do you think um the in-person stuff like those events are great but what do you think i mean you talked about writing articles and that do you feel that for a lot of what's called the adult onset hunters that like the internet's still the first place they're going to start right because they probably may not know anybody kind of like you didn't know anybody who can take them under the wing so I mean, do you think that that's a huge entry point in providing good content that can actually help people then get in the field?
1: Yeah. You know, anyone who is, let's say, 45 years and younger is more than likely going to go to YouTube and and go to the Internet for resources of how-to's. You know, if you're older, you might end up going to a public library and finding books or magazine articles, but the internet is where it's at these days as far as gaining information. And so uh, with that is, is a way to just get as much resource and knowledge as power. You know, the more knowledge you have, the more powerful you can be and more informed you can be when making your decisions
0: like beyond just this idea of hunters not wanting to give up their spot or things like that. But what do you think is just something that you and I like everyday hunters, like what's a big piece we're missing about helping other hunters or just helping other people who might want to become hunters? Like what, what what, is it a mindset piece? Should we just be more aware that these people are out there? Like, what do you think would be most helpful? That,
1: that's a really good question. No one's asked me that before. Um, for me personally, and through a lot of people that have reached out to me in regards to beginning hunting, I think the number one thing is people are, are, are whether they're afraid or they're unsure of themselves. They don't, they don't trust themselves to have enough knowledge or skill to go out in the field by themselves. And I think we as hunters are dropping the ball on that because I'm sure there's people that want to hunt, but yet they don't feel comfortable going out by themselves. You know, how do you, you know, who are you going to call if you actually do drop an animal? If, if you don't have, if you don't know anyone else that, that does it and you've never gone through the process of, Uh, breaking down an animal and and all that so i know i didn't feel comfortable hunting by myself shoot i call me weak but i didn't feel comfortable backpacking by myself and there's people that solo hunt and solo hike all the time but there was a unfamiliarity and a discomfort that i felt when being out in the field by myself and i think that's where uh another mentorship opportunity comes into play but as well as building the community and being an ambassador and inviting people to say, "Hey, you want to come hunting with me, or how about this? You want to come scouting with me and all of a sudden, scouting is just going for a hike in the woods, but with the purpose you know rather than hiking to an end destination like you would when you 're going to a lake in the summertime it 's we 're going out with the purpose, and through this i 'm going to talk to you about uh, game trails and wind and thermals and and how the sun plays a role in animal movement and travels and all that. And so when you start to go out with somebody in the field, it can open up their mind and give them so much more confidence in what they do. You know, being a PE teacher, what I know about, about people is if they're not successful within that first little bit, within the first couple tries, then the majority of people quit. Because they don't feel success, they don't feel confident, and so with no confidence, why would they want to continue? You know, I know for a fact I, I don't enjoy doing things I'm not good at, so why are these people who would want to hunt feel confident and comfortable continuing to hunt when they have no idea what they're doing and not truly finding success or understanding how to find success?
0: That's good, man. Yeah, just what you said there of, shoot, it could just be going for a hike. Like you said, a hike and a scouting trip, in some ways, the only difference is being more aware and looking for sign and things like that. So just, again, getting people, I think, involved in these activities and the quote-unquote off-season or preseason can still be a, a great way to invest in others without giving up all of your own hunting time, too.
1: Oh, totally. Mark, have you ever, or Steve, have you guys ever tried to explain thermals to somebody over the phone? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, on a podcast, <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, right. But it's like not easy.
1: Yeah. It's not easy. So when, if thermals and the wind is such a huge component to hunting, isn't it kind of important to actually explain in person? Because I don't know about you, but I'm a visual learner. So it's a lot easier to go out in into the field. You know, see you squeeze your little chalk thing and and watch the dust fly in one direction and then go stand in a shadow or stand on the other side of a creek and see it go a different direction, you know? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I get it. This makes sense now. You know, you know, you go the the classes of, you know, heat, uh cold runs to heat. And so you know you can tell somebody that, but until you see the sun hit a hillside in the morning and then by the time the sun is hitting the entire hillside, that's when the thermals change, and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh man, this makes so much sense now and you know this this fall, I had an opportunity of taking a a brand new hunter out into the field on a on a rifle hunt, and it was these opportunities in which I was sharing with the guy, and he was like, "Oh dude." I feel like I got to be taking so much so many notes. This is this is game changing for me.
0: Yeah, man, thinking of what you mentioned, uh, with like that event of breaking down animals and kind of showing that in the field, and then things come to mind, like Dan Staten, who recently did like an elk shaped camp, which wasn't necessarily beginner focused, but still just this idea of learning in person and in small groups, I think it has a lot of validity. And I think there's probably multiple, multiple listeners out here who could organize something like that in their own area, whether that's through a local state chapter of something they're involved with, an outdoors organization or shoot, if you will belong to uh, like a shooting club, an archery club, something like that. Um, yep. It'd be cool to see more people step out and just like offer some one day workshop or some yeah. in the field, yeah. something to help brand new people.
1: So going back to my my education experience is you have to have a scope and sequence. And a scope and sequence is a progression of skills and knowledge that are built upon each other. And so I can't explain thermals to you until I teach you that if an animal smells you, they're not going to be around and And so I feel like a lot of a lot of people are going so advanced on on things and opportunities that for a beginning hunter, it can feel very intimidating and you know it's like playing a pickup basketball game with somebody who played college basketball and and you you maybe stopped when you're in middle school. It's like, okay, I'll, should I even be here so the scope and sequence and, and trying to put yourself in the shoes of what is it that you needed to know to even start and feel comfortable. And, and that is where you got to go with this mindset of mentoring people. You know, they, people are going to pull triggers on their own and they're going to learn about archery because there's so much learning that on their own, but to get them started and to get them hooked. That's what you want. Just like a book, if you don't if your book doesn't start out with a great hook at the very beginning, you lost your reader. And so we as hunters need to figure out how to go to the very beginning to recruit and hook these people to fall in love with something that's changed our lives. And that's what our mission at Washington Backcountry is all about is transforming lives through primal adventure. And to give some passion and some, and some love for something that's changed our lives. So the scope and sequence is huge. And really trying to break it down, you can't – common sense is not so common as, as much as people like to think common sense is common. You have to assume that somebody knows absolutely nothing. There's no prior knowledge there. You know, it's a lot easier for me to teach ultimate Frisbee to somebody who's played football and played soccer before. But if they've never played football or soccer, how do I teach them ultimate Frisbee? You know, you really have to break it down into the most small and minute steps so that people can, you know, you got to crawl before you can walk and you got to walk before you can run.
0: As you say that, I think one of the most viable things um, to get people hooked from the beginning is just going, really going back to the idea that you mentioned before, that when you're hunting, you're not just uh, in nature or observing nature, but you're actually kind of a part of it. I think if people truly understood like the connection to animals that hunters have um, and like, this active role that they play and just the unique encounters and all of that, I think that would be almost enough to hook people. And that's all before you shoot a thing, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. You know, when you're hiking down a trail and all of a sudden you see a deer track, you know, to a to a normal hiker, you'd pass right over it. And all of a sudden you're like, well, how old is that track? And to be able to explain that to somebody new and be like, well, this animal just crossed here probably last night or this morning or, you know, all of a sudden it makes nature come alive. Think about like a little child at, a, at an aquarium or at a zoo and how all of a sudden all these animals that they've seen in books are there in person and how it just captivates the mind. If you can paint that type of picture for somebody new when you're out in the field with them, you're going to hook them as well.
0: So you've mentioned a few times you, uh, and we kind of skipped over this in the, in the intro, but you're involved with Washington Backcountry and started that. And I know that that all ties into this idea of mentorship as conservation. But what are you doing there in Washington um, through Washington Backcountry to make a lot of what you discussed, you know, come to reality in, in your own area of the country there?
1: So it all, it all started with uh, power of social media. You know, I'm I'm at the age I was in college when Facebook was called the Facebook, and you had to have a a college email address to actually get on it. So, like I hit hit social media right at the the takeoff of it, and when I learned about Instagram and the power of Instagram with the hunting world, and how easy it was for me to connect with somebody and and it made people accessible, I was like, oh man, I can get access to a lot of these people who I would never run into on a daily basis or in social life. And so with that, uh, I wanted to, to build Washington Backcountry as a network to expand the reach and bring people together. And so I'm I throw social events here in the state of Washington and I eventually would love to take it, you know, all over the nation if that, if that is ever possible or Lord willing. But, but the idea is to build community, give people a common place to gather and build friendship. You know, just like I had to recruit buddies to hunt with me and I didn't feel confident in going out into the field alone, there's a lot of people that are in my shoes that don't feel confident or comfortable doing the same thing. And so I throw social events in order to bring people together and, you know, everyone, you know, you get familiar with someone's social media account, but when you meet somebody face to face, it, it puts an ease to you and calms your spirit and soul and allows you to have a better connection with them. So just like you wouldn't want to take a complete stranger out into the woods and to go hunting with them, especially when they have a firearm and you don't know this person from Adam. Well, when you make that face to face connection and you shake hands and you tell your story and why you want to hunt and why it's important to you, it, it creates a comfort level and a friendship and a bond for people to go on these adventures together. And so we've, uh, Washington backcountry really hit it hard just about a year ago. We're only a year old. We launched our website in last june 2018 and we have had three social events so far and we don't plan on stopping on this last one we were able to bring washington state department of fish and wildlife in to bridge the gap between hunter education and what they're trying to do as as well as the community building aspect of what we're trying to do to recruit more hunters and build community
0: that's cool man johnny i think it's in uh it's really impressive that you not only became a hunter on your own. Um, there's a lot of guys doing not doing that, which is difficult for sure. I mean, it, it's a journey I've been through. Um, but to take it like to that next step, and you so quickly as you're becoming a hunter, just so passionate about helping hunter, other hunters, um, and then putting things like this together, I just I think it's super cool, man. Well, oh, yeah. man,
1: I I really appreciate that that's pretty impressive man you know the the saying you know if not you then who if not now then when i feel rings very true in my life and i want to share that with all the listeners out there if it's not you that's going to change the world or to change the hunting industry or to recruit and mentor new hunters then who's going to do it and if not now then when you know it if you wait till tomorrow, we're not promised tomorrow. Life is now. Life is now. We got we to gotta get after it now. Enjoy, enjoy what you have and don't die with it in your grave and take all your knowledge with you and be selfish. You know, the most beautiful gift that we have as human beings is to be able to give to others and to teach and to share. And when you hold all that in and, and you're selfish with it, You're doing the entire world a disservice. People want to hear from you. People want to know what you think. And so just just like in teaching, the best way that somebody learns is through teaching others. You're going to be more accountable for your own knowledge when you are in a position in teaching somebody else. And that's what's beautiful about mentorship is that it's really only going to come back better for you in the end that's why on all my instagram posts i end it with you can't outgive good because at the end of the day you're only going to get better through your mentorship it's going to make you a better hunter a better communicator it's going to build more relationships more friends give you a better foundation and it's gonna make you a better person
0: Really quick, before we go, I also wanted to remind you guys that this month, the podcast giveaway for April of 2019 is with Easton Eros, so go to exomountgearcom forward slash podcast. You can enter there, and many thanks to Easton for participating in that giveaway with us this month. Catch you guys next week.